Alrighty, welcome back. We got a really fun show for you guys today. We're going to be talking about a merger. Some of the news stuff, because news is always fun. You can go whichever way you want with it. Nuclear power, which I love. Grocery store visits and construction in Florida. How was your weekend, Joey? Oh, you know, it was a hectic one. It was uh, nonstop, not relaxing at all. Um, tried to go to the zoo on Saturday with my girlfriend, and um, we had to leave after being there for probably an hour because she was far too hungover to uh, to make it through the zoo. Oh, no. <laughs> so that's how my Saturday started, but it ended on a high note. Um, went down to the casino after the pirate game and, uh, and won some good money on the craps table, so... Started off rough, ended well. Can't complain, I guess. It's very important that we uh, we only promote you know financial wellness and making good decisions and not going to the craps table on uh, weekends. But I'm glad that you did do that. I'm glad you did. I use strategy, so it's more or less working <laughs> and not gambling. So. Yeah. Do you read the charts? <laughs> oh, I trust me. I got it all up up uh, up top. It's super fun investing, right? Well, oh yeah, I had a very interesting weekend. So I got my first tattoos this weekend and it's something I've been wondering about for like the longest time. I said, all right, what the heck does this feel like? And I finally got to experience it. And it, it was, it was a fun experience because, so I got two at the top of my back and one on each tricep. And so we did the back ones first, got them done. I was like, okay, no big deal. That was kind of like just a little uncomfortable for 45 minutes or so. I mean, it just felt like kind of a pilot pen going up and down. It was like the sharp ones, right? So, you know, I'm kind of feeling like a big shot. And then we get started on the triceps, and I was humbled. I That hurt. That hurt more than anything I've felt in a long time. It was ridiculous. So how long did they spend on the uh, on the triceps? Yeah, you, well, it felt it like, like a, 20 minutes of pain? or Oh, it felt like three hours, but it can't have been that long. <laughs> in total, it's probably a it's probably a two-hour or so operation. But either way, that was a cool experience. I'm glad I got to do that. Fun. Definitely. So we're going to get leading into our actual important stuff today, or some important to me, I think. Uh, so you know the company Square, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, they do the, uh, you plug the thing into your iPad and you can swipe a credit card on it, right? Yep. They're the self-named, the little white square that pretty much every small business on the planet, I think, should have one. They're fantastic. And mm-hmm. I actually have one. I haven't, I haven't set it up yet. And I really like to. I, was, I planned to do it whenever we'd have the, the uh, bar nights. And I'd be like, you know, everyone, you know, give me 5 or $10 and... Well, we'll do this, but if no one has cash, you just no one has Venmo or any of those other 100 options that literally all solve the same problem, just another option. Either way, they just acquired a company called Afterpay, which is an Australian company. And this is a weird acquisition, I think. It's their largest one yet. They've, ta- they've picked up a couple of smaller things uh, all in their same ecosystem, pretty much, of businesses. But what Afterpay does is they allow you to pretty much finance anything over four interest-free payments. My first question was, how the heck do they make any money, right? It's, in for, it's interest-free. They're pretty much just loaning you. If you want to buy like a $2,000 couch, you buy it over four one-month payments of 500 bucks, right? Mm-hmm. So... They do make their money off late fees. Like if you if you fail to if you fail to pay them on time, they pretty much lock your account down and they charge you. So this is, I mean, I know whenever we both grew up, it was pretty much like don't ever buy something you can't afford. Like your credit card exists for one reason. That's groceries. Like it's it's groceries, gas to do whatever you need, uh, pay it off as soon as you spend it and be done. Right. This kind of goes against that. Mm-hmm. I was so it's for um, is. How long are the terms? Are they, uh, you know, one year, 
uh, interest interest free payments, uh, like twelve month terms, thirty six month terms, as long as you need. Or pretty sure they're all monthly. I think it's a stretch over a four month period of time, one payment a month. I think you could probably work out something different with them, but their standard is going to be one a month. All right. Yeah, that's not a that's not terrible at all. It's a very interesting idea. Um, it'd be interesting to see, you know, how much money they're actually seeing and collecting from uh, from late fees. Um, but other than that, yeah, I can't see that being too profitable. I don't know. Well, you know, the housing market's going through this crazy thing right now where basically all the landlords aren't, <laughs> they're, they're not being able to collect from anyone because of the rent moratoriums and everything that's going on. So I, I think in, investments in companies like this who work in the fintech space are going to kind of be uh, more and more useful as the, if there's any government intervention really is kind of where I'm seeing it become useful. So who knows, this might push it forward. Yeah, it could uh, could catch on. It'd be definitely a very interesting uh, way to um, I don't know to look at payments and kind of credit. So sure. All right. Well, the next one we got is so the U.S. Census Bureau recently released that <laughs> they purposely distort some of their numbers by very very small margins, and this was like the biggest know your audience scene of a long time. I think. I mean, I'm sitting there like this is this is the one point in history where no one I think has trusted the government less than they do besides like the revolution i mean holy cow i mean of all the things they could have done saying that we purposely lie on even a little bit of our things just to create the sample size is probably a bad idea (laughs) what was the reasoning behind it i didn't so i read the article two or three times and i couldn't really get much out of it i was like i i still don't see why they're doing this i think it had to do with creating a sample size or basically they're accounting for like a failure to report so they're having to basically make Uh... people up Oh yeah, I know it's unbelievable. And but I may be reporting it wrong. There's always a reason for this type of thing to happen. <laughs> it's just hard for me to see. <laughs> that would definitely make the most sense to me. I would think is uh, failure to report because you have a lot of people who live in apartment buildings and mm-hmm. they can't necessarily go up and knock on those doors. And I only know this because the one company I used to work for, our office was on the bottom floor, and the owner of the company was also the landlord. Mm-hmm. So we always had census people knocking on our company door and asking if they could go up and ask the tenants um, questions. And um, they're not allowed to go into the building itself um, if it's set up like that, I guess. They had to ask the landlord for permission um, or ask the landlord to call the person living in the unit and ask them to come down and speak to the census person. So it was... Like, uh, like privacy rules? Um, it must be. Uh, obviously, if they're living in like a huge apartment complex where the doors are on the outside of the building, they can will probably walk around the complex and knock on the doors. But this one was all the doors were on the interior and we were on the bottom floor. So they couldn't go up into the building. Like there's no front desk to this apartment complex. It was just uh, my boss was the landlord and he had like, I don't know, six rooms in the building that people lived in. So um, yeah, I mean, that, that definitely makes sense. But like we were saying, uh, know your audience. Why now? Why choose now to say that? Um, I think between I the news and been like, we don't make anything up. We promise. <laughs> like, yeah, but between the government and the media right now, too, people <laughs> have never trusted them less. I feel like I agree. And um, a little thing I saw, I watched a TED talk. I don't know. I'm a fan of TED talks. Some people like them, some people don't. Mm-hmm. But I watched one on uh, on you know the news and the media, and the guy said. News today is to the brain what sugar is to the body. It's you can so swallow true. flashes and bits of news and they're kind of like jelly beans. They won't nourish you or give you understanding and they're kind of toxic to your brain. Um, 
and news events are just something that's happening on earth. So to make better decisions, you really need to understand what drives these events opposed to just getting these little bite-sized flashes. And the news stories kind of give you an illusion of understanding. So you think you know what's going on in the world, but you got a 10 second story before getting another 10 second clip and you never look more into it. Um, so the more news you consume, the less you really understand about the world was this guy's point. And it was uh, Rolf, I should have looked up how to pronounce his name, Rolf Dobelli. He gave a TED talk and it was four reasons why you should stop watching the news. So I found it interesting. I don't think you should stop watching the news because you still need to know what's going on in the world. But it's uh, important to understand what's happening in the news instead of just forming a baseless opinion, I think. Yeah, isn't that like our biggest takeaway on everything we do? Whenever we're reporting on this kind of stuff, we're basically saying, look, the, the, th- the thing is not what's important. It's the why. It's the human reasoning behind it because there's all these different human factors. Everyone has motives and everyone just wants to do the best they can. I, I, yeah, I think that totally lines up with our mission. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, that's almost what we do here is we report on them and then we try to break it down and understand it instead of just uh, giving you a little 10 second snippet of it and, uh, and you know, forming baseless conclusions. So we just like talk through things and, uh, and you know, review it. It's all about the motives. It's everyone just wants to do the best they can, right? Yep. Absolutely. All right. The next one we got, I love. So nuclear power has been a big interest to me for admittedly not that long probably should be longer but it's something that we really just don't ever explore as society and so what we started doing is creating i I gotta get the company names but small modular reactors smrs and it's becoming a more popular way to be doing these kind of things so the big study they're doing right now is are these very small uh, nuclear power basically little baby nuclear power plants are they able to put out the same amount of energy as the gas plants with less cost right and and so the cost i think for the nuclear was 50 to 60 dollars per kilowatt something like that i don't remember it was some measure and then it directly transferred over to 48 to 72 was the spread for the gas so it's like a tighter spread but you're right in the middle i don't i don't know if it really saves too much money either way it's kind of exciting because they don't take up very much room i was gonna say how much uh room would you say it takes up um probably not not as much as gas or an entire operation like less, that, right? I would imagine, but yeah. significantly think about like would solar be... fields, right? Solar fields and those big old windmills take up so much room, tons. Mm-hmm. I guess the key to be to a new, more nuclear power would be location and then kind of the safety of all of it. Because I know just the word nuclear scares people. If you go it's into like a city and you say, we're going to put a nuclear power plant in the heart of the city, everyone is like, like we were just saying, without getting any understanding of what it is, it's going to have a full-blown panic attack. Oh, nuclear reactor meltdown, we're all going to die. Yeah, I would love to see you try to pass that through Jacksonville City Council. That would not go well. <laughs> oh, my gosh. They can, yeah. they can hardly get anything done as is. Shoot. Yeah. Well, I think they're trying to do it basically more out in the Midwest where it's smaller cities and they're seeing if they can power like an entire city on just one of these because they have absolutely no output of like CO. They have no CO2 output. It's completely clean. You just run the risk of massive explosion mm-hmm. and if if we did put them out west you know in a in a not so populated area then you kind of i don't know it's almost are you willing to take on the risk of an explosion yeah, in low, somewhere where you know, maybe a, a rabbit gets hurt yeah or yeah no, i'm on i'm on that side too i totally agree if we're going to start out there that's probably best figure it out what people don't know is that nuclear is a heck of a lot safer than it is made out to be is I have to, I'll find the stats. I'll see if I can link them in the show notes. But so there was a couple studies done recently where basically, like, look, the amount of times that we've 
messed up, like really messed up has been like two. And those two were so long ago and we've been using it for so long now, up until now, without any problems that there's practically no risk. The risk of continuing to burn fossil fuels at the rate that we do is a much, much higher risk of destroying the planet than it would be to switch over to nuclear. Yeah, I think people just hear nuclear and immediately think Chernobyl yeah, and Hiroshima uh, and have a heart oh attack. Oh my gosh! But uh, but then you think about all the times, like you said, we've messed up with oil and fossil fuels and gasoline. We think of all the oil, oil spills in, in the Gulf, and yeah, and I mean that's only one side of it. God, there was one recently on Twitter, and like, the video was really good, which is why it spread so well. But it looked like the world was erupting from the ocean. It was wild. Big old oil spill. Blows oh my, my gosh! Yeah. Either way, we'll move on. So this one's interesting too. This is, I don't, I don't know what we're going to call this, but this is definitely one of those like oopsie moments. So studies are showing that grocery store visits are basically back to the exact same pattern pre-pandemic. But if you turned on any major news, it would be like the world is ending. But the stats just don't show it. I don't know what to believe. Yeah, the news cycle for the past week is kind of getting, uh, I don't know, pushing me to my limits, have you. It's it's dangerous again, you know, it, it's spreading. Um, people aren't slowing down. I, I really don't know what to say here. I'm not a scientist. I, I mean, <laughs> yeah, look who you're talking be to. safe, <laughs> be smart. And uh, like we just said, the media isn't always right. Don't, don't take what they say at face value. I mean, take it at face value, take it with a grain of salt, but don't, don't put everything, uh, don't base your whole knowledge base off of what KDKA or, uh, or Fox News is telling you or CNN, you know, go out there and do your due, due diligence. Due diligence, long day of work. <laughs> Someone sends me an article and I see CNN or Fox, and I'm like, okay, well, this just doesn't even matter at this point, right? Well, <laughs> yeah, but it was interesting you said that. I actually have an IPO no. Um, Excellent. Pulled up here. It's uh, it's for a company called Instacart, and it's a grocery oh, delivery app. And it was aiming to get their IPO released last year, but couldn't get it completed. And it's reportedly looking for a fourth quarter debut this year. And what it is, after a consumer places an order via their app, Instacart will assign a personal shopper to pick up the items and then deliver the items. The company's latest funding round in March valued it at $39 billion. And the IPO could take that even higher. I love that. I mean, it's just, it's Uber Eats, but it's completely dedicated to one certain thing, which I, you know, last year would have been the year for a service like that to perfectly shine. And it really has. Mm -hmm. That's what only reason I classified it as an IPO no is because uh, like we just discussed people returning to the grocery store at normal levels. So maybe there isn't as much use for it in 2021, 2022 as there was in 2020. But who knows? I mean, maybe maybe there is a spot for it. I can see it. Habits are sticky, right? I mean, we like going to the grocery store. We like getting out and about. Yep, it's almost therapeutic, like we talked about with cooking and making coffee uh, a couple episodes ago. You know, make, go around, walk around the aisles for an hour, hour and a half, get your food, and uh, there's your therapy for the week. Maybe splurge on some stupid items you don't need. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some unhealthy junk food or oh maybe that bottle of, uh, of wine or whiskey down the aisle. We saw, we saw something at – it was it's some like outdoorsy kind of like Dick's Sporting Goods type store. I was out shopping the other, the other week, and it was a bag of like camp snacks, like protein camp snacks. And so it was, a, it was a marshmallow that was stuffed full of peanut butter and chocolate. And I was like, I have to find out what this is like. So I immediately purchased a bag. It was like five bucks. But it, it's okay. It was kind of funky. But, you know, something like that catches your eye, and you say, yeah, I just have to do this. This, this is a bad decision. I know it's a bad decision. I want it. Just don't make it a habit. Yeah, yeah, you're right. 
right. You'll be oh, all man. right. I, uh, I Amazoned again. As I hate when I do this. Is Last night I was sitting there, you know, I had a beer or two during the day. I was enjoying myself. Just got back from hanging out. And I was like, yeah, I could use a new book. Go on Amazon. It was like, no, it was Instagram. Put uh, like a book in front of me. I was like, oh, okay. Look on it. It says uh, buy used like $5.99. Be, it'll be there in one week. And I was like, done. Click, add to cart, check out, done. <laughs> it's ridiculous. You know, it's funny you say that. They've, actually, they've sucked me in recently too with books. Oh, I hate it. They make it so easy. They make it so easy. <laughs> they do. I've always been a diehard hardback fan. I need a book in my hand to read it. I will not do the e-readers mm-hmm. and uh and what really changed that was i was looking into rereading the harry potter books um you know a couple months back and great book i was man. either going to buy a full set of the hardbacks which was 240 dollars, or i could buy the kindle version and read it on my ipad for 10 dollars a book and only spend 70 dollars in total over the span of a couple months and i unfortunately i settled on the kindle version so and I'm now stuck on the e-reader. I'm on my iPad. You're going to have to tell me how you like that. So I remember I used to read an iPad for a long time. I Basically, there was like a three-year span where everything I read was downloaded off Apple Books because it was easy. It was like it was flat out. You just bought it right there, downloaded it. It was there in five seconds. But then I rediscovered the actual feel of a book, which is wonderful. So I'm curious to hear next week or what is today? Okay, yeah. So I'm curious to hear at the end of this week probably what you think about it because it's it's very different. Yeah, I mean, we can. I'll definitely go over it um, by the end of the week with you. But yeah, I've read all seven Harry Potter books on it. Read a couple other books. Currently reading the Lord of the Rings books on it. So Oof, that's a deep and uh, loving it so far. That is a really deep dive. All right, let's mm-hmm. get back on track real quick. So I thought this was interesting. It was on. It was from Globe Street, which is a commercial real estate news source. Uh, they were promoting that construction in Florida is absolutely going crazy, and I was like, well, duh. What is okay? What does that actually mean? I was like, we we know there's construction in Florida. So what they're basing it off of is that developers are going on the demand of how many people are moving there, which got me thinking about the old adage that is a thousand people a day move to Florida in any given day. And that's more or less true in most years. So the numbers they gave were interesting. It said 329,000 people moved here between April of last year and April of this year. So 365,000 would be thousand people a, a day for the whole year. And that's just a little bit under it. I can't believe that many people were moving in the middle of pandemic to Florida, which was like the hot spot. <laughs> yeah, that is uh, that's a very interesting point you raised there. And I almost think of it as I want to see when this trend started and when these people started moving. Cause I wonder if everyone stayed put, you know, right when it first happened, March of uh, 2020, everyone's scared, stayed put, mm-hmm. waited, waited, waited. Then the winter hit. And last winter was miserable. I'll tell you what, I never caught seasonal depression like that in my life. I wanted out of Pittsburgh. I was done with the gray skies, the snow, driving through inches and inches of snow, oh. uh, shoveling the driveway. And all I kept thinking about was how you were so lucky down there in Florida and didn't have to shovel a driveway in the morning before you left for work. I was on the beach. It was great. South Florida, you can literally <laughs> yeah, go to the beach I- in the middle of winter. It's amazing. And that's what I thought life is too short to be miserable. So I uh, started making the plan to get the hell out of the north and somewhere warm. You're probably right, though. That's probably the exact mentality was, man, this pandemic has made us realize we just don't want to be anywhere except the beach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And part of it is I, I think about how much money I spend on a flight or a hotel just to go to the beach for a week. And why would I spend thousands of dollars to take a vacation to somewhere where I could just live and do my job that I do from my bedroom? Yeah. I love the whole uh, recreation of uh, how we work, basically. It's been a lot of fun. I mean, 
it's something we could have done a long time ago, but it goes back to the whole thing we always talk. We probably touch on this every show of like humans are really sticky in their ideas, so you can't shift too quickly. This has been like a kind of a slow shift of the past year and a half where we've been like, oh, oh, this can work. This is actually perfectly fine. And some people are more productive on their own time. Yeah, it's almost uh, the old adage of I can't think of a specific saying right now, but uh, I, I guess, you know, adapt to survive. You don't want to change until you have adapt, to change. Adapt, overcome, survive. Yeah, Bear Grylls. I guess that's it right there. <laughs> gotta love, yeah. gotta love Bear Grylls. All right, the last part but, of this conversation was that from 2010 to 2020, 2.7 million people moved to Florida. That is so much lower than 3.65 million that I'm kind of worried that we have to not say 1,000 people moved to Florida every day. Kind of bums me out. I like saying that. I like showing that off. <laughs> yeah, it's a... You might have to stop saying that. You don't want to overdevelop and end up with a bunch of empty houses, and then all of a sudden you got another housing crisis. Except it's limited to just the state of Florida. <laughs> you have to wonder if that counts people moving out. I can't imagine there's too many people moving out, but it would be fun to run those numbers against each other. We definitely do not have a housing. Um, we don't have too much housing right now. We have a shortage, if anything. Yeah, and it would be interesting to to take a look at as dark as this sounds the mortality rates. Um, I know the population in some areas of Florida is higher than others. People like to retire there. How many people are you losing? <laughs> you retire, to how many people are you gaining? The U.S. Right. Yeah. I make fun of all my friends who are still down in Naples, Florida, and I say, "Look, you guys just retired at age twenty-three. Good job. <laughs> yeah, you did life right. There's not much else to be doing down there. You kind of go to the beach, you get the same commute. And I was like, it's gorgeous. It is. I think it's the second most desirable community in the United States, or something like that. After I believe the Hamptons, which. I mean, you're in good company if that's what you're competing against, but either way, <laughs> yeah. I think it's a lot of fun. So mm -hmm. I don't know if you noticed, but this is the first episode I think we haven't done anything space related. Wow. <laughs> no space news this week. Quiet, quiet news on the, on the final frontier, I guess. Yep. So what I'm going to do, because I just, I don't feel right not doing a little bit of space stuff is I'm going to link a space dashboard in the show notes that I like to look at once in a while. It's got a bunch of satellites and stuff. I think it's super cool. Just if you ever feel too big, it'll make you feel really small. <laughs> <laughs> did, did, um, did the guest host of the, uh, of the podcast, did you guys discuss Jeff Bezos's trip to space on the week I was out? Cause I remember reading that, um, he didn't really quite make it into space. He like, got yeah. to the edge and then came back down or something. So everyone's making fun of them. They're like, there's so many problems here on earth and you couldn't even actually get to space. I really don't know. I, I just think it's funny that people are making fun of them. The other thing I saw that I really <laughs> wish we would have done, someone said, well, if Jeff Bezos is going to space, what if we all just pretend that we don't know who he is whenever he comes back? Like <laughs> everyone's just like, yeah, who are you? We just don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard of him before. Yep, yep. <laughs> Same thing with uh, Branson and who else? The Elon Musk. Like they all just they all just come back and we're like, yep, nope, never seen you before. <laughs> <laughs> We've moved on yep. in the time you've been gone. All the social media companies erase their accounts and everything. They just they would be gone. Hard reset. Be like, see if you can do it again. Good luck. <laughs> yep, they're next in commands at their companies. Just uh, yep, just move into their over. office while they're gone. <laughs> Call it the, it's the billionaire Hunger Games, right? Yeah. Yep. All right. You got anything else for today? Um, no, I think that about uh, wraps it up here for uh, what's your quote for what I had thought. Let me pull it up here. I got a good one from Steve Jobs again. A lot of um, Steve Jobs, brilliant ones. mind of his. I love Steve Jobs. I read his autobiography. It was no, I guess it wasn't an autobiography. They wrote it after he passed, but it was great. Loved it. All right, so here it is. 
Your work is going to fill a large part of your life. And the only way to be truly satisfied is to do what you believe is great work. And the only way to do great work is to love what you do. If you haven't found it yet, keep looking. Don't settle. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. I see a lot of people, especially, you know, in the sales world, as a lot of people basically get fixated on, all right, we got to hit our numbers. We got to do this. We got to do this. And I'm like, well, at the end of the day, if you're not providing value and creating something new and amazing, like, what are you doing? You're not going to be happy at all. You're just going to be, you're going to be reaching for goals that you can't ever hit. Yep. Sales is a vicious cycle. And some people love it. Some people hate it. If you hate it, find what you love to do. Everyone has something they love to do. And almost anything can be monetized in today's world. So it's true. The internet. All right. I got one. You're going to like some Groucho Marx. Money will not make you happy and happy will not make you money. Boom. <laughs> Those quotes went together hand in hand almost perfectly. I think they're complete opposites, aren't they? Yep. It's good. Hey, sometimes the higher paying jobs are something you might not like to do. And what you like to do might not pay as well as the higher paying jobs. I think you agree with me and uh, not Mr. Jobs, ironically enough. But either way, I'll take it. And that's going to wrap us up for what we got today. Mm -hmm. Thanks, everybody. Yep. Thank you. See you Friday.